I hate him. I really hate him, Victoria decided. Damn it, she'd been warned about Solomon. He always tested new prosecutors, baited them into losing their control, lured them into mistrials. And she wasn't totally new. She'd handled arraignments and preliminary hearings for eight months. And hadn't she won her first two felony trials? Of course, neither one had involved Steve Slash and Burn Solomon. You gotta know the contempt citation is all your fault, he said from the facing cell. She wouldn't give him the pleasure of saying why, or how, or go screw yourself. You should never call opposing counsel a total fucking shark in open court, he continued. Save it for recess. You called me a persecutor, a slip of the tongue. You're incorrigible. Lose the big words. You'll confuse the jurors, judges, too. Victoria stopped pacing. It was stifling in the cell, and her feet were killing her. She wanted to pry off her ankle-strapped Prada pumps, but if she stood on this disgustingly sticky floor, she'd have to burn her pantyhose. The plaid pencil skirt was uncomfortable, a tad too tight. Now she wished she'd taken the time to let it out before coming to court, especially after catching Solomon the pig staring at her ass. She saw him now sprawled on the bench, hands behind his head like a beach bum in a hammock. He had a dark shock of unruly hair, eyes filled with mischief, and a self-satisfied grin like he'd just pinned a kick-me note on her fanny. God, he was infuriating. She couldn't wait to get back into the courtroom and convict his low-life client, but just now she felt exhausted. The adrenaline rush was ebbing. The lack of sleep was fogging her mind. All those hours practicing in front of the mirror. Ladies and gentlemen, you will hear the testimony of customs and wildlife officers. Maybe she was going about this the wrong way. How many times had she researched the legal issues, prepped her witnesses, rehearsed her opening statement? Who will testify that the defendant, Avancio Pedrosa, did unlawfully smuggle contraband, to wit, four parakeets, three parrots, two cockatoos, and a partridge in a pear tree? Maybe she'd burned herself out. Maybe that's why she'd cracked today. Had she looked ridiculous pushing a grocery cart overflowing with boxes to the prosecution table? There was Solomon holding a single yellow pad, and there she was, weighted down with books, research folders, and color-coded index cards bristling with notes. Even though she despised Solomon, she did envy his brash confidence, the way he glided across the courtroom, skating to the clerk's table, flashing an easy smile at the jurors. He was lean and wiry and graceful, comfortable in his own skin. When she rose to speak, she felt stiff and mechanical, all those eyes staring at her, judging her. Would she ever have his self-assurance? An hour earlier, she hadn't even realized she was being held in contempt. Judge Gridley never used the word. He just formed a T with his hands and drawled, Time out, y'all. This ain't gonna look good on the instant replay. It was only then that she remembered that the judge was a part-time college football official. Mr. Solomon, you ought to know better, Judge Gridley continued. Miss Lord, you're gonna have to learn. When I say that's enough bickering, that's by God enough. No hitting after the whistle in my courtroom. Bailiff, show these two squabblers to our finest accommodations. How humiliating. What would she say to her boss? She remembered Ray Pincher's two-strikes orientation lecture. If you're held in contempt, you'll feel blue. 
If it happens again, you'll be through. But she wouldn't let it happen again. When they got back into the courtroom, she'd... Shit! Something was stuck on the velvet toe of her pump. A sheet of toilet paper. Grimacing, she scraped it off with the bottom of her other shoe. What else could go wrong? Hey, Lord, we're going to be in here a while. That aggravating voice from the other cell. So here are the ground rules. When one person has to pee, the other turns around. She shot a look at the seatless metal toilet bowl. Right, as if I'd squat over that fondue pot of festering bacteria. When she didn't respond, he said, You still there, or you bust out? Somewhere deep inside the walls, the plumbing groaned and water gurgled. Suit yourself, but I gotta take a leak. What a jerk. Solomon was one of those men you run into in bars and gyms, she thought, so clueless as to believe they're both witty and charming. No peeking, he said. There was a plague of these men, with a sizable percentage becoming lawyers. Unzipping now. Dear God, scrunch his scrotum, zipper his balls. Ah, he sighed, the tinkle-tinkle sounding like hailstones on a tin roof. Ninety-nine bottles of beer on the wall, he sang out. Ninety-nine bottles of beer. I didn't realize they still made men like you, Victoria Lord said. I'm getting through to her, Steve thought. Sure, she was playing that old I-am-strong-I-am-invincible-I-am-woman shtick, but he sensed a shift in her mood. There seemed to be something different about the feisty Ms. Lord, nothing like the court stenographers he usually dated, quiet, rather submissive women who transcribed whatever they heard, and nothing like the Sobe models whose brains must have been fried by exposure to so many strobe lights. He remembered looking around the courtroom when Victoria rose to address the judge— all the players, from his shifty client to the sleepy bailiff, had been riveted. Jurors, witnesses, cops, probation officers, jailers, clerks, public defenders. Hell, everybody watched her, even when he was talking. Yeah, she was a natural, with the kind of pizzazz they can't teach in law school. Maybe the best rookie I've ever seen. Of course, she had a rigid prosecutorial mentality, but he could work on that once she forgave him for suckering her into contempt. Not that he minded the downtime. To him, this eight-by-eight eight cell was a cozy second home, a pied-à-terre with a view of the Miami River from the barred window. Hell, they ought to put his name on the door, like a luxury suite at Pro Player Stadium. Failing that, he scribbled on the cell wall, Stephen Solomon Esquire, beating the state's butt for nine years. Call UB Free, 822 3733. Steve preferred to defend the truly innocent, but where would he find them? If people didn't lie, cheat, and steal, he figured he'd be starving, instead of clearing about the same as a longshoreman at the port of Miami who worked overtime and stole an occasional crate of whiskey. Steve usually settled for what he called honest criminals, felons who ran afoul of technicalities that would not be illegal in a live-and-let-live society. Bookies, hookers, or entrepreneurs like today's client, Amancio Pedrosa, who imported exotic animals with a blithe disregard of the law. Steve glanced into Victoria's cell. She had resumed pacing, a tigress in a cage. Her tailored plaid jacket was draped over an arm. An expensive outfit, he was sure, but wrong for the jury. The high neck accentuated her 
well, stiff-neckedness. She should ditch that Puritan look, get something open at the collar, a bright blouse underneath. The matching skirt was fine, a little tighter than he'd expect on the prim prosecutor. A nice ass for someone so flat on top. What do you say after we get out, we hit Bayside, dive into a pitcher of margaritas, he said. I'd rather drink from the toilet bowl. Keeping her distance for now, he thought. Made sense as long as they were in trial. Okay, let's wait till we get a verdict. Win or lose, I'll treat you to tapas. I'd die of starvation first. You might not be aware, but over the years I've tutored several young women prosecutors. I'm aware you've bedded down a few and rifled their briefcases in the middle of the night. Don't believe everything you hear in the cafeteria. You're one of those toxic bachelors, a serial seducer. The only thing that shocks me is that some women find you attractive. Have I missed a signal? Shouldn't she be warming up by now? I'll bet any relationship you've had, the woman always ended it, she said. My nephew lives with me and scares most women off, Steve said. He scares them off? He's kind of a reverse chick magnet. That sort of thing genetic? she asked. An hour later, her feet still ached and the toilet still gurgled, but at least Solomon had shut up. Victoria hoped he understood that she had no interest in him. You hit some men with a frying pan, they think you're going to make them an omelet. But as annoying as she found him, the sparring did help pass the time, and if nothing else, jousting with Solomon might sharpen her courtroom tactics. The trick was not to let him provoke her once they were back in front of judge and jury. She made a vow. Even if he led a herd of elephants into the courtroom, she would maintain a zen-like tranquility. If I get back into the...